Hey, good morning, everyone. It is fantastic to be back with you. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Nate, as Craig said. Um, I was an intern here in 2018. And then uh, they sent me off for three years to do missionary work with OM. Uh, and then later in 2022, they sent me off again to the UK. Craig likes to send me off. He doesn't like me here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, it's amazing what can happen in a year. The kids are so big and unrecognizable. Jordan keeps growing somehow. I don't understand that. Cindy somehow looks younger and younger each time. Craig's dance moves are getting better. There's yeah, sensational scenes here. The spirit is working. So this last year and a bit, I've been at All Nations Christian College studying theology with a missional focus. Uh, and Craig asked me to share a little bit about that, and it'll lead us into our text for the morning. Um, my first year was a bit of a challenge, I'm not going to lie. Um, adapting to a new culture, to a new place, always has its challenges. Coming with expectations that maybe weren't quite met, uh, also quite difficult. Uh, but one of the greatest challenges that I faced that turned into be one of the greatest blessings in some ways um, was about my friend Hannah. Towards the end of my first year, my summer break, uh, one of my closer friends, Hannah, she's from the Netherlands, um, w went on a biking trip. And unfortunately, she had a tragic accident. Um, she was in a coma for a week. We prayed for her. The whole college, the whole community gathered around to pray for her life. Right before she had left, she had announced her, her great burden for her brother, who is not following the Lord, and really asked us if we can do one thing in this holidays to pray for him. After a week, unfortunately, she went away to be with the Lord. So many questions flooded my mind, my space. Why, why would God take such a, a young, talented, gifted woman who had so much, yeah, so much potential in the mission field? She had a heart for Ethiopia and was planning to serve there. But a few weeks passed uh, after the morning. Her parents had come to the college for a memorial service, uh, and her parents had shared such incredible testimonies that her death resulted in 300 people gathering at church to hear the message of the gospel preached, that hundreds came forward to repent and give their lives to Christ, including Hannah's brother. Story and testimony after testimony, there's been endless fruit, and they say that because of her death, she reached more people than maybe any of our lives could. Uh, and that is just the nature of our God. His ways are higher. He's a good God, and He works things for the good of those who love Him, and He has a plan. Um, and Hannah's death, although it is lost for us, it's not lost for her. It is complete gain for her. She is face to face with the King of glory, and we couldn't be happier for her. And this is going to lead us into our text for this morning, which is in Luke chapter 2, where we see a God who's using uh, a wicked and oppressive Roman Empire to bring about the sovereign birth of the Son of God. Caesar Augustus, Augustus not being his last name, but being a, a divine title, uh, issues a decree, a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And so all, usually men, would go back to their home cities and um, 
register and pay the taxes. Um, but in this case, Joseph was accompanied with his wife, who was expecting. And it is in verse 6 where we'll start reading from the passage. And it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a major cloth. Sorry. Suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying God praising God for all the things that they've heard and seen, which they were just, which they had just been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than a double-edged sword. We thank you that it does not come back empty-handed. It fulfills what you have spoken. It. I thank you that all that you have decreed has come to pass, and I thank you that all that you have decreed will come to pass as we expect your son's return to make all things new. Be with us now. May your presence fill us, and may we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So Craigie launched a, a series last week about seeking signs and finding God, and he walked us through Matthew chapter 2, a story about the, the magis or the wise men, uh, the sign of the star of David. Uh, and something he mentioned was that the sign does not dictate the response. That there is a sign and people can respond in different ways. Obviously, the sign is meant to point towards God, point towards faith in God. But some people are not always going to react and respond the way that they should. But as we saw in the case of the wise men, they did respond in the right way. They did seek the signs and they found God. So in this little passage, who's our audience? Who is the sign directed towards? We see in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, I don't know about you, but if you hear about shepherds, you probably think of King David. He's a shepherd. who's quite a lacquer, oh, you know. You maybe think of Psalm 23, like, oh, shepherds are lacquer. Like, they lead me to the, the green pastures and to the, the good waters and all of that stuff. But actually, in this moment in history, shepherds were a despised 
marginalized minority. Uh, because the religious Pharisees and Sadducees had looked down upon them because they could not fulfill certain elements of ceremonial law, uh, because they were working with sheep, it meant that they often couldn't observe the Sabbath. Uh, they often weren't meeting the, the cleaning rituals uh, and various other things that made them basically think that these people are, are godless. Shepherds are godless. Um, another scholar says that they'd also developed a, a bad habit of mixing up what is mine and what is thine. So in other words, they, would, they were not the most trustworthy people. They would steal, they would borrow other people's things without asking. And it's basically come to this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without, yeah, sorry, redundant. <laughs> um, it's basically come to this point where these people were, in a sense, outcasts. And if you know anything about Luke, these are the very people that he's wanting to highlight. Luke is wanting to put the marginalized in the spotlight because he's trying to represent God's heart for those who society considers to be the least, right? But God is saying, these are the greatest in the kingdom. So we see to these people, an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The message of the angel comes and says, do not be afraid, for I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. There's real significance in this verse. The first part is good news. In the Greek, evangelion, it is this word that sort of implies a, a messenger at war. And he's coming to declare that the war is over. It is done. And the sense of transformation that this brings as people rejoice that we are at peace. This is often the context that this word is used in. But we see this word appear in the Old Testament on three occasions in the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation, which is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9, Isaiah 52, verse 7, and in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Let me just get up Isaiah for us quickly. Sorry. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. It says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Zion 52 verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And our last little verse, 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So we see the angels declaring something that would be familiar to many Jews. This word of good news, this hope and concept of a Savior, a Messiah, a special deliverer for Israel. And that's how the Jews would have understood it, that there's a Messiah who is going to come that was going to deliver them. And they thought at the time it was going to be a deliverance from the Roman Empire 
from their oppressors, that there was going to be a sense of national peace and, and, and reign and provision for the, the land of Israel. But here we see from Isaiah that it's a bit more than that. He's coming to bind up the brokenhearted. He's come to see that your God reigns, that there's salvation in the works. And it's not just physical, that there's spiritual implications to it as well. So what's the good news? The good news is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus coming to fulfill the prophet Micah, Micah 5.2, that there would be a Savior that would be born in the town of Bethlehem, the town of David. And this little child is given three titles in this verse. It's given the title of Savior, a title that is subscribed to God alone. God alone is the Savior of Israel. God alone is the Savior of the nations. And here we find a little boy being called Savior. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the special deliverer of Israel, the one that Isaiah is prophesying about, the one who's going to bring good news, who's going to proclaim to Zion, your God reigns. And finally, the Lord, the name of God, Yahweh, the most supreme high. He's literally being called in this verse, God. There's no getting around it. The Savior has come. The Lord has come in human flesh. Christ has come and he's taken on humanity. He's come to identify with us. What other God? What other God? Name another God who comes down to take on human suffering, human pain. Why is this necessary? Why is this necessary in the picture of salvation, in the picture of deliverance? Well, as you know, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59, 2, our sin separates us from God. We're cut off from eternal sense of joy. We're cut off from relationship with God. God journeys with an ancient people, Israel, and he gives them sacrifices. Because only, because sin results in death. And therefore, the only way we pay for sin is through blood, through death. So he gives them the sacrifices that would cover our sins for a bit. But a sheep can't fully take away all of our sin. Because uh, we are human. We are not sheep. right? A sheep can't fully represent us. So Jesus comes in as a person to be the ultimate sacrifice. These shepherds were most likely taking care of temple flock, like flock that would go and be sacrifices in these very temples. But now they were about to meet the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus lives the perfect life, the life that we could not live, a life fulfilling the moral law of God, a life that was pleasing to God in every sense. He was faithful. He was without sin. And so he's able to fully take our place as he dies in our position, as he identifies with all of humanity, as he so loves the world, he gives his life so we may be forgiven. And much more than that, on the third day, he rises again so that we may have eternal life. And this is what will cause great joy for all people. Joy is not just 
momentary happiness, but it's a sense of eternal state of uh, eternal state of rejoicing because we have the very person of joy. Joy is joy is a person. Joy is Christ, and we have Him. And the significance of all people is that the Jews thought the Messiah. They mistakenly thought the Messiah was just here for them, just here for the deliverance of Israel. But no, He's here for all nations, all ethnos, all ethnicities, all people groups, every tongue, every nation. That is His vision for salvation. He's not just come for Israel, He's come for us here today so that we may have joy. Christ wants us to delight in him, right? He wants us to worship him. If a chef makes a really good meal, he, the chef wants you to enjoy that meal, and in that sense, they are praised. You know, they, they do a good job if you enjoy the meal, right? In the real way, Christ wants us to enjoy him, and he receives glory in our joy. He receives praise as we enjoy his presence. So the sign, what is the sign that they need to seek? The sign will be to you, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. The angels just said, you will find God. This is how you find the Savior. This is how you find the Most High, the one that the elders bow down in heaven, the one that the angels are worshiping nonstop, the one that Isaiah saw in his great image, and he says, holy, holy, holy. And here the angel says, this will be the sign you'll find an infant, human. God taking on human flesh, the immortal, the infinite, the all-knowing, the all-powerful God, the creator of heaven and earth, now becomes finite, vulnerable, identifies with us in our weakest point where we are completely dependable. And while he is being nurtured by his mother, while he is growing up without even being able to speak a word, he's holding all of creation together, knitting people together in their moves, expanding the universe. And that is the mystery of our God. But a sign that would definitely raise some eyebrows. Maybe a Pharisee would hear this and they'd be like, God, come here, baby. Maybe their religiosity would have stopped them from responding to the sign. Maybe their judgment. Maybe their prejudice. Regardless, the shepherds respond. Um, but first we see this great company of heavenly hosts who are proclaiming and confirming the message of the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Christ has come so that glory would rise to the heavens and peace would come down on all men. That is why he is here. For you to glorify the Lord your God, to enjoy him forever, and that so you may have peace with him. We are at enmity in our hearts towards God. Even if you, you think you're, you're, you're an okay person, you know, in our hearts we have defiled these laws. We have lived selfishly for ourselves. We have not lived for our main purpose, which is to enjoy Him, to glorify Him. But in Christ we can. 
if we believe in him, simply believe and turn to him, we can live our purpose to glorify his name. We can have peace and relationship with God once again. So when the angels had left and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and here's their response, let's go. In Greek, there's way more urgency, way more urgency here, but in English, the best we can do is let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. There's a sense of belief. Luke is highlighting that this marginalized people, this quote-unquote godless people, they are having faith in the sign. Faith that many people would not have. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They see the Lamb of God who takes away the world's sin. They see the one who will bring peace. They see the one who proclaims, Zion, your God reigns. Salvation is here. They see the Savior. They see the anointed one. They see the Lord. When they had seen him, here's the key. They spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. They encounter Jesus, and what happens? What's their immediate response? They tell. What happened with the Samaritan woman when she encountered she encountered Jesus at the well. She, 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 come and see this man who has told me everything about my life. And she goes and she tells, right? See and tell, right? When we seek the signs, when we find God, the next step is to tell. To spread the joy to all peoples. And this joy will result in believers treasuring Christ in their hearts. We see as Mary uh, treasures up all these things about the shepherds, about what they've seen, about what they've heard, it encourages her. It builds her walk with her Lord and her child. And the same is true with our mission today. There's three billion people, over three billion people right now that has no access to the gospel, no Bible and their translation, no church. Yet we sit here in our four worlds, and we get to worship God. We get to know the joy of having Him in our lives, the peace of relationship with Him. And they do not know that peace. Now, not all of you are going to be able to go, and God is calling you and He's put you here for a reason. But my question to you is, how are you going to be a part of reaching the three billion? Reaching those around you. Do you have Christ in your heart? Do you reverence Him to the point where you're able to see and tell? Because when Christ is in here, He doesn't just want to stay inside. He overflows. He bottles up. He wants to come out of you. He wants to multiply. We're here to reproduce the full life of Jesus. That's the church's vision. So how are we multiplying? How are we telling? Because to us, a child has been given. Child has been born, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Good news to all people, so that all people may have joy. So let's see and let's tell. Let me pray.